Gwendolyn at the end, but but this poem is pretty intact. It's one of her more intact fragments. And it's like, first of all, she's just like, all these men, all these homers are like telling us that the sexiest stuff is like how men kill each other with spears and like uh, these huge armies and like imperialism and like expanding Greece. But I say it's whatever you love, which feels very feminist. And then she rewrites the Helen myth. She rewrites the Helen myth as not Helen being stolen away and starting a war, but as Helen making this choice and following Aphrodite, following love and leaving her family and going and being more beautiful than anyone in the world and then going and and leaving. And then she brings, then she's like, by the way, my girlfriend, Anactoria reminds me of Helen. So it's just all these layers <laughs> of like bad, badass <laughs> feminist stuff. And, but I, I read it as like, she's totally just like, like trolling Homer. Like, I don't know about all these armies and fleets. I think, I think love is the most important thing. It's so cool. Yeah. I love it because um, I know you had said that your audience like doesn't maybe doesn't know too much about Sappho. If we could talk about the fragments a little bit, Elise, because we've said, oh, her poems are in fragments, but what does that mean? Well, and actually, before you even dive into that, I, I want us to also clarify for my listeners just how long ago Sappho lived, because I think that that's really uh, important to even just what you were just saying about Homer is that Sappho was closer to Homer than she was most of the other sources we have from ancient Greece because she was in like the 600s totally. BC is that right yes she was um, born sometime around 6 630 and then uh, lived to uh, live through 570 so that's some of the oldest we have in terms of sources we have you know Homer and Hesiod from we assume the seven or eight hundreds BC but the playwrights and everyone they don't come until I mean Aeschylus I think was in the 500s but later and then everyone else is even later than that so she is one of the oldest sources which I think connects her to Homer in a way that's important um in just like understanding what time she was in and kind of the world that she was living in um but then yes please tell me all about the fragments and how that yeah. came about. It's one, it's partially connected to how, what I feel about all of ancient Greece and how we lose everything. Ooh, ooh, I can't, I can't wait to hear about that. Um, so, I mean, the, the Sappho basics of it, she's, she's living in archaic Greece on the Island of Lesbos. She's writing um, lyric poet. She's one of the very first lyric poets, meaning she's writing poems on uh, songs that she's singing with a lyre. Uh, and she's performing them either at drinking parties or for private groups or for huge festivals. And she was so prolific that, you know, scholars believe that she probably wrote around 10,000 lines of poetry, which was collected into um, the Library of Alexandria in various collections. She was also just like a star, like Greeks just knew in the aftermath of Sappho, Greeks just knew how to sing her songs. They they just knew her greatest hits. And there's, there's some story about... Um, this dude Solon, um, an Athenian poet who uh, heard one of Sappho's songs being sung at a symposium, and he asked the boy who was singing it to teach him how to play the song. Um, and and the reason was so that I can learn it and then die. Like that's how <laughs> that's how much her <laughs> songs are, are, are crushing it, right? So so she's writing all these beautiful poems, a lot of which are about love. She's really uh, her main subject is eros, erotic desire. And she's writing about women's lives. She's the first voice ever in the world that we have, an individual woman's voice. Um, and she's our, our source of lyric poetry. So any any kind of Taylor Swift you're listening to today harkens back to Sappho. And, and, and Sappho started that tradition. She's incredibly important. And But then the tragedy is that so much of her work was lost that all that's really left is a handful of fragments 
Um, and like maybe 650 out of 10,000 uh, lines of poetry survive. Um, and, and only one complete poem. So everything else is these little fragments. And how, so how do we find them? There's two sources. One is if an, if an ancient um, teacher or rhetorician or author or, or something, you know, quoted her, you would, you would have a fragment left over that way. And, and, and like the, the author survived. So it could be like a grammarian trying to teach um, good, good grammar or good, um, good rhyme. And they would quote Sappho as an example. And then the other source is on papyrus scraps that have been found in these ancient trash heaps like Oxyrhynchus in Egypt. And so people were, you know, using papyrus, which is made from the um, papyrus plant on the banks of the Nile. And they were making paper and, and kind of just keeping your regular records there, especially like, um, you know, like tax records and things like that. And then you wouldn't waste paper. Um, so if you had a copy of Sappho and you, and you didn't, you didn't need it anymore, you might start writing your taxes on the back <laughs> and then you'd throw it away and it would survive in the dry, dry, dry desert for thousands of years. And then most of Sappho's fragments were found in the late 19th century um, in the Oxyrhynchus dig. And now they're all living at, um, most of them are living at 